0: Alright, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to have us look at Acts 2 again. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, or you can just want to follow along in the handout as well. The scripture's are written there. Um, But what I want to do is revisit some scriptures that we looked at last week. I'm only going to read through them fairly rapidly, okay? So this is what happens on the day of Pentecost, which is recorded in the second chapter of Acts. It's kind of like the birthday of the church. We learned about it last week in depth it was sort of discussed. Our guest speaker, David Brickner, talked about it, put it into a context, looked at it from a historical and theological and biblical perspective, certainly connected to the Older Testament. I'm gonna go ahead and read through it. Let's look at this together. Acts two, verses one through four. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This is the church that had gathered, the disciples of Jesus had gathered 50 days after his crucifixion. And so days after, some weeks now, after his (laughs) resurrection, okay? The day of Pentecost arrived they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a, it was like a mighty rushing wind. And it just filled the entire house where they were sitting. like a, a, a supernatural wind blowing through this space. And it says there was something like tongues of fire that sort of appeared over them and it rested on each one of them. You have these phenomena. we talked about it. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they even began to speak in other languages, other tongues of the Spirit. And as the Spirit gave them utterance, Jumping down to the 14th verse. But Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and he addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and and give ear to my words for these people are not, they're not drunk as you may suppose or think might be happening because it's for one thing, it's only the third hour of the day, it's 9 a.m. in the morning. And then he quotes from the prophet Joel. He says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he reaches back into the Old Testament, the writings of the scripture. And he says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they'll, they'll prophesy. Your young men, they'll see visions. Your old men, they'll dream dreams. And even on my maidserv- male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. They're going to prophesy. And then he jumps further. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus who was crucified. Are you crucified? Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do then? And Peter said to them, Repent, turn around, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift. Of the Holy Spirit, and this promise is—it's it's, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for everyone. All who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself, and when—and many other where and with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, "Save yourselves! Save yourselves from this crooked and misdirected generation." And so, those who received this word were baptized. And in a stunning development on the day of Pentecost, the church explodes and there were added unto them 3,000 souls. That is the beginning point of the movement of Jesus going and rising up into a new new dimension, into a new level. That's the description of it in in the book of Acts. Now, here's the thing we talked about last week how the church rose in the power of the Spirit. We looked at these passages. So why did, we why did we re-read them? It's because I want to look at them from a different perspective. I want us to look at it through the lens of Peter and his transformation and explore what it means for us. Because part of what, if you just look at what's happening here, it's actually stunning. It's astonishing. Listen, it was 50 days earlier that Simon Peter had the absolute worst day of his life. That's not an exaggeration. It was the lowest moment in his life, just 50 days before this. It's hard to believe that this is the same man who had been so low, so defeated. Many people think he would have taken his life too if John hadn't found him. Clearly, he would have had suicidal thoughts. Judas, after processing through what he did, he decided to end it. There was no way back for him in his mind. Peter had, do you remember what had happened? He had emphatically broken with Jesus. He who had made the big promise, he was said, though everyone else forsakes you, I will, I will hold. He had denied the Lord. He not only denied the Lord one time, it's one thing to do that. He denied him not just twice. He ended up denying him three times. And on the third time, it was so brutal because it says Jesus was passing by and they looked at one another. It was it. You know what the Bible says? He went out and he ran. This man of strength in his prime, he ran and he wept bitterly. The one quality that he valued above all, loyalty. He had broken when the heat was on. So what is, and and, and you look at that you go, oh my goodness, what happened? I mean, 50 days later, he's standing there proclaiming the living Jesus. And in this astonishing moment, 3,000 people and, and more followed started to respond to the message of Christ that he had boldly stepped forward and proclaimed. Now, you cannot appre- we cannot appreciate this without taking into account that it was just days, we- really weeks earlier, when he had, co- it was like, he, you couldn't fail any worse than he did. And yet, to watch this happen, it's pretty extraordinary. Again, he goes from a man ashamed and afraid to even be kind of associated with Jesus, right? The peer pressure of it, that moment, a man afraid and ashamed to a man aflame, right? A man on fire and unafraid. And now I wonder if after the intensity of that moment, of the Pentecost moment, so now we're at the moment we just read about. I was sitting with this and I was going, oh, I wonder what that was like for Peter. I, after that night, that night, like If he was like you and me, he would have processed, started to process through things. I mean, after the adrenaline wore off and he started to try to go to sleep, I wonder if in his mind he started drifting back to a moment like three years earlier, that moment when, when he first met Jesus. You read about it in John 1. There, there was this moment where, check this out. Andrew, Peter's brother, says we found him. We found the Messiah. Peter says, where? He goes, I, show, I want you to meet him. So he goes with Peter. And Andrew, and he goes with Andrew, Peter does. And he's getting ready. He goes, I have some questions for him too. And so Peter's there. He's going to talk to Jesus. And before they even get close, Jesus points him out. And he says, Simon. Simon, son of John. No, they haven't said a word. Simon, son of John, I'm changing your name. You are no longer, you are no longer, a Simon. I, I call you Cephas. Your new name is Cephas. I call you, I call you, Cephas in the Aramaic is stone. In the, in the Greek, it's Petros, rock. You know what it means? Peter. That's what we get Peter from, Petros. Petros, Cephas. First thing, Jesus says, I call you a new name. Now that very moment, there it was like, I make a claim on your life right now. We have not even have a chance. That. He looked at him and he said, yeah, I have a new name for you. Your name is now Rock. <laughs> Rocky. No, I don't know. He didn't call him Rocky. But he called him Cephas, right? I have a new name for you. And maybe in some strange way, it was the very thing that he thought he wasn't. Peter, I call you Peter. You will be a man of strength. You'll be a I'm calling you, just like he does with you and me. What you can become in me. That's not what I what you can become in me. That's what I call you. You will become a man who can be counted on and built on. That's what I'm saying. Now, it looked like when he failed that was the very last thing he was don't call me that right that's like no way you can't that's i mean i'm anything but that right and you think about it because there was a a process that jesus used to restore him just stay with me a process he used to restore him remember so peter's at the lowest point jesus rises Everybody is like amazed at it, right? Jesus is alive, what what does that mean? No one knows, they end up going back to the Galilee. A few days pass after Jesus' resurrection, Peter still is living under the shadow of what he's done, he doesn't, he feels like, well, you know what, he's kinda got mixed feelings, right? On the one hand, you're alive. You you, You said you would be, and you are. But it doesn't change who I am, I'm a failure. I'm not used to you. I don't know if you even have any interest in me. Days pass on the Sea of Galilee before Pentecost. So between the resurrection and the Pentecost moment that we just read about, there's this interaction that Jesus has on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Remember it? It says that they were out fishing. They didn't know what else to do. They went back to their occupations. But then it says Jesus appeared and he was on the shores. That You can go there today. So the Sea of Galilee is beautiful. It's, it's, you can almost see it, almost what exactly it was. If you were to go in the early morning, you would see the water just kind of lapping gently on the shore. It's sort of surrounded by hills and it has these pastel colors. And so you, you can see it and feel it. It's like, a, it's, it's like pale blues and and beige and and purples. And it's just, it's, it, you get that feeling. And Jesus, it says, was there on the Sea of Galilee, right on the shoreline, and he started making bread. He built a fire and it says he, he started baking Fish, bread and fish on the fire. And then he has that amazing conversation with Peter in front of everybody. And he asks, and we could just spend time talking about it. It's an awesome exchange. Do you love me? (laughs) Feed my sheep, right? But here's the thing. Jesus starts working with him. He starts working with him. But this is the culmination, right? This is the culmination. Two factors had got him to this place. And I'm going to note them both. Two things had really contributed to Peter getting to this moment where he boldly stepped out for Jesus and declared him. One, I'm going to say it, one of the things that God used to get him to this place, which should encourage all of us, was his failure. And the other was his filling. The failure, oh, the beautiful failure that broke him of his pride. The failure that Peter experienced ends up becoming a gift to him. I mean, something, when when he denied the Lord, um, something something shattered, something died. When he denied him, something died. It's like, like someone taking his glass and dropping it on a rock. It just shattered into pieces. All his confidence was gone. All his you know, arrogance or bravado, whatever we want to call it, the strong man that he was or pretended to be, all gone. And it's true, even after the resurrection on the sea, Jesus had sort of gently restored it. But one still gets the sense that whoever Peter was becoming was a different man. He was going to become a deeper man, a better man. He was going to become a far more humble and gracious man. And he was always going to have... Spiritually speaking, a limp. Now You may not, you look at him, you wouldn't see it, but inside it was there. He never forgot how much he had failed, but how good God had been. The other thing was his filling, right? his failure, always with him, his filling. We're talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit, the Pentecost experience changed forever. Jesus had told his disciples when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they would receive power to fulfill his plan and proclaim his message. Remember in Acts 1:8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world, ends of the earth. Now, emptied of his pride, right, on this day of Pentecost, filled with the spirit power, a new Peter rises from the ashes. Again, 50 days from the worst season in his life, a new man arises from the ashes, almost starts emerging like like Michelangelo. Have you ever seen Michelangelo's uh, Marble Men? The men that he had carved that are stuck in marble still? They didn't get finished? They're pretty cool because in a lot of ways... They, it's like Michelangelo would say when he worked, he was letting the man in the marble out. And you see it. You see them emerging out of that, coming alive, being locked out, but being let out. Right? That's a very, it reminded me in, in many ways of Peter. Again, what did Jesus call him? You are a rock. You are the rock. You are Petros, Cephas. And it's almost like a new Peter. Do you see this? And I hope in our minds, if we ever see these, we always remember, oh, remember Peter emerging into something new, right? The idea of him coming into a new place, but it was a process, right? A new Peter is emerging. Now, what we're told is that God then starts to work miracles and you're gonna see it. You read the book of Acts, you see miracles, signs and wonders. God starts to do things through Peter. It's like amazing. I mean, it's hard to, be- it's hard to believe. So I wanna put a couple of things up here that have to do with how God wants us to rise in our faith, drawing off of Peter and how God restored him from a dark place. Because you know why, guys? We are going to have seasons, listen to me. There are gonna be some seasons that are hard. And there are gonna be some sometimes when we don't, you know, I I don't want this to happen. I don't want anybody to go through a tough time, but we will. I don't want any of us to fail, but we will, once in a while. I don't want any of us to be hurt, but there are times we're gonna be really hurting. Right, this, how, how do we prevail there? How do we do, how do we stay, how do we get better? How do we emerge even better? Like, that's what we're talking about here. There are going to be certain seasons in life that are going to feel crushing. How can we, with God's help, actually come out of that a better man or a better woman, more open, more capable, more expanded, like Peter? The better version. What, how do we do that? So let me just put something, a couple of things up for us to think about. One of the things I want to suggest is that God will allow us to be broken, again, so that we can be remade Better. And I'm not even saying God, it's not like, um, the, break, the breaking process, it, it's not like God is doing this to us. But rather something we usually do to ourselves, or might happen to us in life from other people's choices, but usually it's us. But he does allow us to go through things. We're going through them, it's our life to live. Now, on the night of his betrayal, um, Jesus told Peter, and it was the night where Judas would betray him, and we call it the, the night of the Last Supper. Remember that whole moment. It's, in Luke, it's in the 22nd chapter of Luke. But in that place, there's this exchange that occurs. Jesus says, "You're all gonna, you're all gonna deny me. I, I don't. I'm not saying this because I, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to hurt any of you. But I'm just telling you right now, the path I'm walking, I'm gonna walk it alone." And none of you are going to stay with me. And Peter had said, looking, and he meant these words. All, all of these men, all of them may deny you, Lord. I don't know about that. But the one thing I do know, I will not deny you. Remember? And Jesus says, yes, you will. Before the The rooster crows, you will deny me not once. You will deny me three times. You will. (laughs) No, I won't. I will. (laughs) I respect you. Your words are from God. I cannot deny that. But I know me, and I will not deny you. And Jesus says, you will deny me. Now, right before that, Jesus had said this. Simon. Simon, and I'm going to put these words up because they are intense. He says to him, Simon, Simon, look at this. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. You know what that word, if you look at the original meaning, it means to literally tear you apart from the inside out. Like we're talking about our mind. He desires to sift you as wheat, to literally turn you outside turn you out, totally flip you out. He desires to, he has desired to Simon, Simon. And he didn't say this because was, he said, Simon, Satan has desired to Simon, Simon. Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And, and what I have prayed for is that your faith should not fail. And when you are restored, when you return to me, here is what I want you to do. You strengthen your brethren. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He wants to take you and tear you apart on your mind. But I I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. It would sustain. And when you are restored, when you have returned to me, when you come, you will come through this. And when you do, because I have prayed. when I, And this is, the Lord did not say, I have decided to... to find another way so that you can avoid this. He didn't say that. He said, when you get, I will meet you, first off, I'll pray for, I'm praying for you. Think about that. And then he says, and I will meet you on the other side. But it's your path to walk. And you're going to have to walk it. Jesus himself had a path to walk. But in Peter's case, he was going <laughs> to be dead, right? But when you get done, on the other side of that strengthen your brethren. Be be the pillar, be the stone, be the anchor, be the rock that I called you to be. That's why I named you what I named you. Not in the arrogance, not in self-glory, not because you have the abilities and you're so good. No, you are going to be a servant and a blessing, the lender of strength to others and it's going to flow out of you because you're going to be a different kind of man coming out of what you're about to go into. Now that's powerful. So hear me out. Here's the second piece of this. Do you understand this? God wants us, he wants to develop in us a spirit of humility. Yeah, he does. Right? Because in the kingdom, what is it? Rising is always connected to what? Coming in low, descending. It's not a, (laughs) it's different than our world. Rising in the Lord is always connected to descending, coming in low. It's this. Help me, Lord, right? That's different. I don't have it in my own, right? I don't think Peter ever forgot about how he failed the Lord. I don't think so. I know know he didn't. I think he walked with that the rest of his life. And that was, and although he assumes leadership, one of the things that becomes apparent is he doesn't push. He's not, like, he's not like trying to contend to be the man. Even as the leader and the primary spokesman of the early church, we don't see him contending for headship and power. In fact, as time goes on, men like Paul, who at the time was not a believer at all in Jesus, you know, he'll emerge, James will emerge there'll be other people who will step forward in powerful ways in the, in the early church. Peter would later write, check these words out, you guys. He would later write in 1 Peter 5, he would say this, look, hear this, do you, f- you feel this coming out of a man who's different? Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud Right, he poses the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he will, he will exalt you when he wants to. It's just a humble thing. I, I mean, what a different man. And again, I'm convinced that frequently, God allows us to experience setback and failure to soften us. And to, he uses these parts of our lives. Listen to me. It may not feel good, but I'm not saying God's doing it directly, but I'm saying it's like he's got, sometimes there are some seasons that are so intense that if we stick with God, it's like the Lord is breaking off this jagged piece, like a big chunk falls off, and a part of us comes alive in a different way, right? Right? That whole idea, there are times where where, um, the Lord wants to remind us that uh, apart from him, we we really can't do anything, that the, the Christian life is in a certain sense, a life of continual breaking and uh, rebuilding It's a life of death and resurrection always it's about growing and learning and becoming it's about something dying so that another better thing can live it's it's a very it's powerful sometimes it's because we've gotten hard and duty driven and empty and God wants us or we're just kind of going through the religious motions. And that is never what Jesus taught us life with him was supposed to be. It, it was meant to be like uh, passionate and, and full and, and vibrant and alive and, and an adventure of growth that God is trying to expand and work new things, heal things up, open things up. This was a life in Christ. It was meant to be wonderful, right? And sometimes we get stuck in these ruts and we get stuck into certain places in our lives, certain ways of thinking, and often it's the places of most difficult difficulty and sometimes even suffering. Okay, when we have what happened to Peter, that's like an earthquake. I often say this. There are some situations in life that are so difficult or traumatic to us that the person we were going in cannot be the same person we are going out. We will be different. It's like an earthquake that hits and the land is rearranged. The landscape shifts. Whoever we were, we will never be that again. So then the question is, are we going to be a better version of what God wants for us to be? Or are we gonna be a bitter version of what God wants and doesn't want us to be. It all depends on how we allow that to draw us towards him. What I am saying is, I don't know if you could fail any more miserably than Peter failed and suffer any more intensely than he suffered in terms of how he saw himself, how ashamed he was. And yet God raised him from the ashes. He just stayed close enough and the next thing you see not only did he get better from where he was he got there was an exponential expansion in his life like a depth of character Uh, so what I'm trying I I, I know you're hearing me is like, don't be afraid I'm not saying it's good I'm not even saying Lord bring on a bad season so I can grow I am not saying that I don't want those seasons I don't want to suffer at all Just be honest, I would like to be blessed all the time and define blessing as never suffering, ever. (laughs) But I won't grow depth there, I won't. The deepening often comes when I'm stripped down and broken and afraid or like Peter, I feel like I, I don't have what it takes or I've been hurt or I hurt. And out of these places, God rearranges, reawakens, and by his spirit begins to transform us. And we become better than what we ever could have been. That God takes the death and brings life. That's what he does. When we say he's redemptive, that's what we mean. And when we're really affected by him, hear me out. We've got to talk about Him. And it's the last thing I'll suggest here is that sometimes God gives us his spirit so that we can just, well, I know he does. He gives us his spirit so that we can be his witnesses, his power at work in our lives transformatively, not so that we can just keep it to ourselves and feel good about who we're becoming. That's okay, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of your healing and your blessing and our, our becoming more of what he's calling us to be is so that we give something b- away in his name, Right? Um, that we can live out our faith. That's our mission statement, that we can live out our faith in Jesus and invite others into life with him. Some some of us are really called to be like Andrew. Every time you see Andrew in the scripture, he's bringing, we don't know a lot about him, but every time you see him, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. And one of the people he brought to Jesus was his brother. And Peter brings the message of Christ, but there's never gonna be a Peter without an Andrew. It's all connected. Who's the greatest? Who cares? He's the greatest. Do you see what I'm saying? And here's the thing, we're told, you are my witnesses. You are my credentials. You are my evidences. You, where you work, your friendships. You are my evidences. We who love him, who are devoted to him, who, uh, who claim this, that we follow him, We are to both live and speak his way. I wrote something down and it'll be the last thing I put up. This is the last piece. But I asked them if they could put this up. This to me summarizes something. To live our life for God without speaking, right? To live it without speaking is a story half told. To to speak without living, it is a story wrongly told. To live it and speak it is a story well told. What am I talking about? It's okay. Here's what's gonna happen. When we follow the Lord sincerely, we are going to get better. And we are gonna grow. And we are gonna heal. It is as true as day follows night and as night follows day. What is planted will bring a harvest. It's not a question of will it. It's only a question of how much some 30, some 60, some 100. I'm telling you, you stick, we stick with the Lord, we are going to grow and we are gonna get better. The only question is to what degree, but here's the thing, as we get better, people are gonna notice it and they're gonna respect it many times. Just what they see are good, the, the quality, they, most of the time there's gonna be, because who doesn't appreciate kindness or goodness or honesty or integrity? or working well, or not backbiting, who, honestly, or being given forgiveness. I mean, when you live this way, when you have humility in you, when we love people, that, that it's acknowledged. Here's the thing, to live it, but then never talk about the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? We get better because of him, but we don't talk about him. That's a story half told. And I'm saying talk about him is it might be as simple as what Andrew did, just come and check it out. That's a simple thing that ended up having a huge impact. Mm-hmm. To live it, but not speak it, is to be ashamed of Jesus. It's a story half told. Why did this happen to me? How am I getting better? How am I getting through this? Do I talk about him? Okay, one more thing then, right? To speak without living, that's, (laughs) okay, that's like, that's not good. I could talk about him, but then my life doesn't show it. What is that? It's like that's so much damage is done to people because of that kind of thing, right? So you talk about Jesus, but then your life, it doesn't show it. Now, we're not talking about being perfect. None of us ever will be perfect. If that's the prerequisite to talking about Jesus, I will walk around like this the whole time because I won't be able to, none of us can talk about him if that's the prerequisite. I'm not, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about we're on the, we're growing, we're getting better, we're sincere, we're authentic. There's, there's a smaller, smaller gap between what we say we believe and how we live our lives. The commitment means something to us. It's showing up in meaningful ways. It's actually there. It's happening in our life. We build our life on these principles. These principles are working. God's spirit is showing up. There's real transformation taking place. When that's happening, right, that's just about being authentic. It doesn't mean we won't fail, we won't have problems, Sometimes we will let the, let ourselves down, let the Lord down, let the people we love down. That's going to happen at times. I understand that. But by and large, what there should be is when we do something that's really wrong, people should probably say this, the who know us best, that was out of character for them. Why? Because the dominant way of being that we are known by from the people we love or who are closest to, this is who we are. And when we operate in a different way than that, they, can, they would say, well, that's not who they normally are. Because the person that the, we are is this. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants the way we live to line up with what we speak. We say we love him, then let's live a life that reflects him, right? That's a story. If we don't do that, that's a story wrongly told. That's clear to me. But if we are willing to, to what? Live it and speak it, not perfectly, you know what that becomes? A story well told. And guess what? You and I, anyone who follows Jesus, we are called to be great storytellers. That's our call. And that story is a story of our life and what Christ can do in it. It's just that simple. Ah, you know what I'm saying. God wants us. How will they hear if we don't speak? And how will they listen if we don't live? Not perfect. Sincere. Real. Honest. Trying to open our hearts up to the Lord and let him work the transformation and healing us that he wants to work. I want to walk to the beat of a different drum. I want you to do that too. All right, let's pray. All right, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the transformative work that you do. It's what you do in your kingdom. Kingdom come, your will be done in us, I pray. Bring good life, bring good healing. Let us not be afraid of the hard times. It's okay. They're gonna come. Once in a while, they're gonna happen. Maybe we're in that season right now. It's all right. It's all right. You are with us. You will not abandon us. And you will also be there on the other side. We're coming through this. We're gonna get better in your name, by faith we claim it, Lord, in Jesus' name. And I just pray for seasons of real expansion. And whether we're younger or older in life, I ask that you would enhance and increase our capacity to live well and then to speak good words, words that represent you. Let this be a growing testimony of your reality, the blessing of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord. And then lastly, Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of empathy, that you would remind us all of our own flaws and weaknesses and how much we too are to help and, and, and be a blessing to those who are hurting and wounded. In your name, Lord, we would do this as well. You are the one who can raise us from the ashes and do a, amazing and wonderful things. Just thank you for that, Lord. Keep working in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, God.